Greetings, and thank you for accepting our invitation for this Bible study and reflection on August 31st, 2022. Let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. Let us pray. Most merciful Father and Almighty God, we thank you for your word and for the freedom we have to meditate on your word and in turn share your word with others. We thank you in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. All right, so today we're going to talk a little bit about our eyes and what we see and what we choose to see with them and what kind of plays over and over in our mind like a reel on a, on a canvas, if you will, painted on a canvas. And what we choose to constantly look at and deem important affects our mental, physical, and spiritual health. Consider Jesus' words found in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 22 through 24. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole, whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, the eye is the one member of the body which acts as a lamp by which a man sees. The context, however, limits the application to the treasures which the earth offers to the body. These seek to captivate the eye and thus to win the heart and the body and their affection. When Jesus speaks of the eye with reference to the body, Jesus has in mind the earthly treasures which captivate the eye. These are bodily treasures such as rich clothing, wealth of food, money, and other valuables. You know, think about all the images we're presented with every day in our society. Advertisements for get-rich-quick schemes, Fancy clothes, large, beautiful mansions, vehicles that serve not only as transportation, but also status symbols as well. And even some so-called pre preachers lead people to believe that the more you do for God, the more you will prosper financially and socially. Think of all those things as something that has been painted onto a canvas that we constantly see. How do we combat the desire to be drawn to those images? Well, in one word, the answer is Jesus, the gospel. Think of what the Apostle Paul was up against when he began sharing the gospel. He had two canvases full of images that he had to paint over with the good news of Jesus. He had the political Roman canvas, if you will, that was covered with images of paganism and included many gods that were worshipped for any number of reasons. The Roman canvas also held up Roman rulers to be gods in and of themselves. Julius Caesar even had coins made that had his picture on it and depicted him as God. And then we have the second canvas that Paul had to contend with. 
It was that of the Jewish religious sect that strictly followed the Mosaic laws. To these religious leaders, to these religious leaders, Jesus was a prophet. He was a good guy, but you needed Jesus plus a whole lot of other things to live a godly life. Think of the Apostle Paul as a painter. Would you just paint your house one time and never paint it again? Of course not. It takes maintenance and upkeep. When Paul established churches based on the good news of the gospel, he, in essence, was painting over the political and religious canvases with the good news of Jesus Christ. He wrote letters of praise for those that were growing in the new kingdom living way of life, and he also wrote letters of warning to those that had lost sight of the good news that God had just ushered in through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, Paul's missionary journeys helped spread the gospel throughout much of the ancient world. Over the course of his ministry, the Apostle Paul traveled more than 10,000 miles and established at least 14 churches. The book of Acts records three separate missionary journeys that Paul took through Greece, Turkey, Syria, and in numerous, and numerous regions you won't find on modern-day maps. Paul's travels played a crucial role in the formation and development of the early Christian church. Many of the communities he encountered on these missionary journeys were the same ones he wrote to in his pastoral epistles. Now, Paul wrote his letter to the church in Ephesus while he was in jail, and it's his most optimistic and encouraging correspondence to the young churches. He tells of the advantages a believer has in Christ and instructs believers on how to live a life of love. This reading is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. For above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Now, not all of Paul's letters were as optimistic as the one to the church in Ephesus. Paul's letter to the Hebrews went to Christians in danger of slipping back into Judaism because of persecution. It interprets the Old Testament, explaining many Jewish practices as symbols that prepared the way for Christ. It stresses that Christ was from God and is higher than angels, Moses, Joshua, and any priest or sacrifice. Here are Paul's words from the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 5 through 8. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. 
Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Very comforting words. The early churches had Paul and the other apostles to share the good news of the gospel and to be, if you will, painters that would continually cover over the political and religious images that competed with the gospel. While Paul and the other apostles left us many years ago, we have them to thank, along with many other spirit-led authors, for the living word of God that we know as our Holy Bible. You might be able to go five to ten years without repainting your house, but we need the reassuring words of God every day to combat the societal images we are bombarded with constantly. The Holy Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus and also leads us to a deeper relationship with him. And by following this faith practice, we will be learning, loving, living God's word. In closing, please listen to these and hear these comforting and reassuring passages. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Deuteronomy 31.6 The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Deuteronomy 31.8 No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Joshua 1.5 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 1, 1 through 5. In the book of Matthew, Jesus says no one can serve two masters. God gave us free will, which means we have the ability to make choices. Will we either choose to spend most of our time looking at and wanting what society thinks is best, or will we strengthen and grow our relationship with and ultimately be guided by our Savior, Jesus Christ, by choosing to read and meditate on the Word of God. Let us pray. Most merciful and gracious God, we thank you for the gift of your love that has been entrusted to us to share with others. We also thank you for allowing us the ability to make choices and ask through the strength of the Holy Spirit to help us choose the good news of the gospel over the constant bombardment of what our society defines as good news. We ask that you strengthen us for your humble service, and we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you, and may the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Go in peace, serve the Lord.